If you aren't going to kiss me properly. You don't know how to kiss. It's on you. You're gay. (laughs) (laughs) You are a homosexual. That's it. Done and done. There's our intro. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. It's got a big lead. See you at the victory party in the morning. Absolutely. Well, good night, Don. He's gone. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. <laughs> I just came from a smoker. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's where Bert was on election night. He was at a smoker at the Waldorf. Oh, that's right. Okay. Come on. Let's uh, get with it. Listen, please. sorry. Try to keep up. My bad. Try to keep up. Um, Try to keep up. <laughs> All right. So right. Uh, Dan and I, uh, you know, we work in Google Docs. We happen to jump in at the same time. And he starts going, hi, Roberta. And I was like, oh, my God, did my cat yeah. just write that? I do that at work and just write nasty things about people in real time and pretend like I don't know they're there. Our friend, uh, our friend Albert, who has done a lot of uh, behind the scenes work on this podcast, he he and I used to work together in a few different capacities. And he would just walk up to people's computers and just write monkey randomly in the middle of something. Mm. He was fun. I just want to I think we should just talk about kind of where we are and where we're going. Right. We've got uh, two episodes left. These are both jam-packed full of stuff to talk about Mm. we are going to do a season wrap-up episode with a special guest Mm -hmm. and uh and then we're gonna take a little break we have not we have not figured out our our calendar yet but we will let you know by next week uh how long that little break contract negotiations yeah yeah and uh, we'll have to see how those go you know how these things are and decide on a uh, schedule for coming back for season two. It's complicated. Dan, my agent's been very busy. No contract. Yes. No, no, no contract. <laughs> All right. Um, Fair enough. You insist. Beware the nonconformist. Exactly. But in the meantime, we are loving your feedback. Please email questions at tcimadmanpod.com. We're always checking that and get your questions. They're awesome. And we also interact on Twitter and Facebook and on the ig so where's the where's the facebook page you can just search they coined it and it pops right up we're using the hashtag they coined it pod as well as fuck pete campbell uh mm-hmm. we invite you to do the same we will find your find you more quickly um right. but yeah we're really we're we're loving having you with us and we thank you and we are going to come back uh bigger better and stronger or whatever that means um, well, we'll be back. We'll, Roberta okay. might be bigger, better, and strong. I will be no bigger, no better, nor any stronger than I am right now. Fair but enough. Roberta is I have, on a different regimen. I have plans. And uh, all right, Maggie, <laughs> Maggie will be updating our notes for us in real time. That's the cat. So what'd you think? Nixon versus Kennedy. It's the, my favorite word, penultimate episode of season one. It's a really good uh, word. Give us, give us your, give us your high level thoughts, Roberta. I love this episode. First of all, give me a party scene. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are there are moments on screen where I want to be there doing that with them, 
And even though, like when they when they turn over the water cooler of creme de mint, <laughs> I mean, that one like then, like if you break it down element by element, I don't want to be in that scene. But it, it, like <laughs> you know, no like, blue. I don't need you to find out that it's blue. Like whatever. Like all of that. We can file it under. Looks better than it would be. Sure, but it it makes me <laughs> it looks better than it would actually be to be there. But it draws me in. Like I I want to no, you know like it's... I was with Marge. <laughs> no big spoilers here. It's the last time we actually see Marge. She's Stephanie Courtney, flow the progressive girl. I was with Marge on the Peggy Don't Leave. You know, and I fully <laughs> un- I was also with Peggy on the on the I'm leaving. My top level on this episode to go back to your original question is, you know, we are really in this acceleration. These final three episodes, there's so much motion. There's so much happening. There's so much intensity. There's so much hitting the fan. You know, we get we get so much gratification. I mean, we find out what happened to, to how how Dick becomes Don. Yeah. Fi- there's just so much. I love it. Yep. I, my top level is I freaking <laughs> love it. You know, there's a, there's a quality of The Sopranos that's kind of hard to pin down, but 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 one of one of them that I always loved about that show and David Chase as a as the showrunner and creator and head head poobah was that in most seasons of The Sopranos, it was the next to last episode that was like the clincher, was the the absolute balls to the wall. Uh, felt like a finale in terms of plot in some ways. And then the finale, the last episode, is a little bit like the fallout from whatever just happened, mm. which was an amazing, amazing, amazing structural technique. And that happened a bunch of times on The Sopranos during its run. Again, we go back to that kind of pedigree and and Matt Weiner being being one of the head writers for Sopranos as it was as it was closing, now does Mad Men. And I always saw Nixon versus Kennedy as that kind of big bang penultimate episode yeah and we still have an episode left but think about how much is wrapped up here how much is like how much is is locked up with you know what we find out about don's background how we went from dick to don his whole backstory the the train home adam all of that uh and and wrapping up the pete the pete part that just that really just opened up last week That was one point I had about the episode high level. And the second is... That's a, a really interesting observation. I, and, I, and I definitely saw it as a Sopranos, uh, you know, use of a Sopranos technique, which I thought was pretty cool. And the second, you know, thing specific to this episode is, um, you know, with, with this season in particular, and we do, you know, other seasons have this as well, but we always say that this show rewards that close watching and examining what people say and little conversations that repeat viewing really kind of helps you dive into. This episode is in a way the opposite of that because there's so much plot. This happens, then this happens, and things are moving along at this great pace. So in a way, whenever I get to coming back to this episode, it's kind of like just sit back and watch it happen. Mm. And that's that to me is a lot of fun. Uh, it's a big difference from the way I watch a lot of other Mad Men episodes. There is still a lot of those nuanced language moments, those um, yeah, little sure. those little echoes within an echo. I mean, just the... Well, it's still written better than 99.9% of shows out there. <laughs> it's just different than other Mad Men. Just the, the entire um, Harry and Hildy scene mm. is... Both scenes, the scene, mm-hmm. the, the two scenes in the office, in his office together, first 
first where they yeah. connect and then where they unconnect um mm-hmm. is is just um and we're not going to be role playing that one this week this damn it it is laden with metaphors right like everything mm-hmm. out of their out of their mouths is 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 double and triple entendre and that's just one example yeah so let's get into it nixon versus kennedy written by lisa albert and andre and maria Jacques-Maton. See, I don't even know how to say that, Dan. So neither do I. For, it just thanks um, for taking. Yeah, going with going with the flow. The Director Alan Taylor, who directed the pilot, so yes. I don't think there's any mystery as to why they brought him back for this one. And the original air date October 11th, 2007. It takes place over November 8th and 9th, 1960. It was funny. I'm watching that next morning scene where the office is just trashed and everybody's so hungover, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's only Wednesday." Right. <laughs> like we're, you could be pretty solid that election <laughs> night was Tuesday, right? right. So <laughs> were were election night parties a thing? Was that something that like took I mean it seems like they didn't invent it for this episode. I don't know the answer to that. I thought um I don't I, I don't know if they were just looking for the excuse to party. I was surprised by how invested they all were and seemingly in the same result. And it it's like listen, Nixon wasn't their client, so it wasn't he wasn't their that, client, was... but he would. They were adjacent, and I think the adjacency is what gave them their rooting interest. Okay, because it was very surprising to me. And then you, and then you contrast that with Betty letting Sally stay up late, which that was very interesting. What's the electoral college? You know, that's Don didn't want to tell her, which mostly was pro- Don probably didn't actually. Know didn't know it just right. oh why did that only just hit me now yeah um he yeah know. he he's already said much earlier in the season i don't vote he's really i kept don't see himself... him as a big civics guy yeah no he has kept himself out of this conversation no question no question yeah. and yeah. but yeah the whole the whole election night party thing was a little bit was like is that a throwback like for the last 15 years it seems like people just like reserve a space on the ledge to jump you know like that's there well that's what happens on election night <laughs> Wait, so I had one on in 2016, oh, you and did? it was it was like, how'd that go? It was <laughs> it was like the Mary Tyler Moore party of parties. Yeah. It was like I live in an urban neighborhood. My sister lives a block away. She and her spouse were here. I had some neighbors. Yeah. I had my actually a, my stepsister and a friend. She was from out on Long Island. Everybody was here, so I had two people sleeping over. Yeah. I had like tequila and food and then one by one. This year leaving. this year they're doing a petition for you not to have a party. Oh no no. Like <laughs> it's it's the most I don't even I think I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do except except there might be like narcotics involved. Like I don't I don't I don't yeah. even Just reserve your space on the ledge. It's fine. They'll, it was, they'll be, it was one of the space. worst nights of my life, but it was Definitely the worst party I've ever thrown. <laughs> there you go. So the, the, the so these guys had a good election night party contrasted with Roberta's uh, yeah, some and, 56 and were, years and, later. That's right. And they were disappointed with their results uh, as, but that's not, right. but they, but it, it was anyway. Anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Just so we don't know if they were back. a thing. Let's assume that they were, cause it looked like they were all very comfortable with, with uh, seeing the parents off to wherever they were going and then the kids partying below deck, which was kind of fun to see. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. <laughs> <Ollie, Ollie>, <laughs> that is great. 
That is great. Um, But you really felt, and this is just the way that it was shot. In fact, I saw some camera angles of the office that we hadn't seen all year. So it really was giving you like this different view of what goes on in there. Like when they were doing the, um, that scene where they were deciding to raid the, the, the supply closet and the scene where they were doing Paul's play. It was disorienting. I didn't know where we were in relation. We didn't get the usual camera angles. Maybe it's because all the furniture was out of the way. But it was really fun to see it from a very different angle, that office that that we was shot a very particular way all season. Well, here's a little behind the scenes, uh, not ne- not specific to this episode. I've been to the set. Uh, maybe maybe some of those photos will will make their way to our Instagram. Um, I just came across one of me and Pete and Trudy's apartment in front of that incredible triptych of the of right. the like tribal looking animals giraffes, and. Yeah. And we saw it this week, so I, I may I may start posting some of those. I had heard what I'm about to share, but then seeing it in person, the actual office is is a fairly small space. You've got the bullpen, and then you've got the offices. But the, all the scenes where you see these sort of long walks down the halls of Sterling Cooper mm-hmm. is just the same the same walk yeah. over and over where they change the names on the doors. I have never not been fascinated by that sort of magic of television yeah. and how a small smoke, space it, smoke and mirrors so. to get it all looking yeah. larger than it is. But you're right; it looked enormous different. and different, and um, yeah, and, and that it was felt, fun. Again, I wanted you know it made me made me want to be there. With this episode, it felt like there was just a lot more business to take care of. We gotta we gotta wrap up Don's story. We gotta wrap up the Pete story. We gotta wrap up the Rachel story. We gotta you know. Everything gets tidied up in very short order, and it's fascinating, fascinating, fascinating mm-hmm. to to see this. Back when, back in the in the season one, actually this must have been after season one, I uh, saw some Mad Men scripts online that you could buy, and this was the one script I purchased was Nixon oh, cool. versus Kennedy. <laughs> oh, cool. The only I think the only one I have is the pilot. Okay. It's fun. It's fun to do if you, if you haven't already. Uh, if you're not if you're not into looking at scripts, it's fascinating to see what's in a script that gets shot. It's it's awesome. Uh, screenplays and television scripts are their own yeah format. thing because yeah. what you know what what is included in the direction and what is fascinating. Yep, absolutely. I did find a theme though. You usually you're our theme guy, and I let you be. <laughs> I'm lazy and let you find a theme. I did notice a theme of being seen and being exposed. And that's definitely going to pepper through everything. I mean, obvi- the most obvious one is Don, Pete confronting him. Pete has found the box. But even that same box, Trudy talks about what she discovered about her father mm. and, you know, and even just like the blue panties, like being exposed. And Pete being exposed as having that box. That's right. Right. That's she right. knew he had it before he knew she knew he had it. So this theme will will show up again and yeah. again throughout this episode. You know, I, I I thought that there were certain moments that just just kind of rang out. And again, mm-hmm. probably less than a theme to me this moment. I and mean, you don't see it a lot. Mad Men isn't on the nose this much and intentionally so. So when they do it, it really rings out. When Rachel says to Don, you know, Don comes in and he's all sweaty and he's like, let's go. <laughs> you know, let's go to, it's, it's time. It's time. We're going to South America. You're, mm. we're, we're leaving this all behind. Adam and Eve. I mean, it was just, it's amazing to watch. The curtain closes on the relationship when she realizes and she says, you haven't thought this through. 
Like, you've no idea what you're talking about. That's what gets exposed to her. Like, all of a sudden, Yeah, that Don, was Don's exposure to Rachel, no question. Don, yeah, Don's whole uh, M.O. gets exposed to Rachel, and she's not having it. Correct. And she she nails it. You don't want to run away with me. You just want to run away. And that's yep. game over. That's chapter and verse. We're done. This is not happening. That, that, that's yeah. that's that's Don's that's Don signing the check to Midge and sticking it in her in her, in her brazier is yeah. uh, is we're done here. That that line of you haven't thought this through. Don then goes back, having been unsuccessful at running away from his life, goes back to the office. So it's also worth mentioning that we meet Duck Phillips, who Don is uh, bringing in for the head of accounts position in Roger's absence, which is, I mean, I don't think there's ever, <laughs> it's as good a match of actor and character, Mark Moses, for so <laughs> Duck great. Phillips. It's awesome. And uh, I was going to say, I love that scene where he first meets Bert, and you kind of see that first, and the writing for Duck has always been so sharp and clear. Like there's a real voice to this guy. Bert asks him about the uh, the election, who he's who he's for, and Duck has this like <laughs> ultra political and excuse me, ultra yeah political answer in well, terms o- of like office, office politics. politics, right? Yes. <laughs> well, if I say this, you're gonna think that. If I say that, you're gonna think this, and it's it's so you know spoiler alert. Duck's a little bit of a political maneuver maneuverer himself, so it's an awesome. Uh, you can see that that trait is really ingrained in the writing for for this guy. And Mark Moses just knocks it out of the park every time. I love all the dirt you hear about him. <laughs> and, you, and you do you wonder you wonder how much of that like divorced, you know, divorced is solid. We know we're we're, we're going to be able to confirm that. But all that other mess, you know, he was a mess. He was a this. He was a that. You yeah. know, we don't we you never know. That's just a pile of uh, it's. <laughs> Scuttlebutt. I, it, it's, it's, it's just pure scuttlebutt. That's all it is. I also just had the thought of of you know what men say about women, particularly then, Ooh. about how you know the 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 hens, the chickens, all the gossip. But it's, my goodness, well, those it's, men. It's like um, what a bunch of like what Uma, Uma Thurman's character says in Pulp Fiction about uh, you know, you guys talk about women, but you get five of you men. It's like a it's like a knitting circle. <laughs> You guys. <laughs> and they've proven it throughout the season. They serve as this Greek chorus, but a lot of it comes out in their complaints and in their gossip. Oh, right? totally. Absolutely. And, and you know, for a show that we keep saying, you know, hates exposition and is always looking to, you know, how do you tell the audience what the backstory is in this character in, you know, 30 seconds of dialogue without him and Don talking about, well, I got divorced and well, and then I was in London and well, then I was drunk. Like <laughs> you can't do all that. It would be the lamest dialogue ever, but having this Greek chorus kind of talk from afar about this guy as they just walk, watch him walk across the office. And it's like, yeah, he flamed out. Yeah. I heard he was drunk. He brought an American airline. Like <laughs> they just, yeah, they cover great. it all. And it's, it's so skillfully done. It's so great. Also, we, we should we should mention here that we have this carryover from last week, which was that box, that mysterious box that arrived at Don's desk and cleverly got intercepted by Pete um, at the very, very end of Indian summer. So now we see that Pete's been spooking around in the box a little bit, seeing what's in there. And he sees all of Don's childhood photos with Adam. That obviously is what Adam sent him just before he killed himself. 
The other thing about the the reveal, even throughout, even inside this episode, you've got the scene with with Pete and Trudy before Trudy even enters and you see Pete looking at these photos and seeing what's written on the back. And then you're like, oh, shit, it says Dick and Adam. But you don't actually know until the end of the episode that we that we get a last name, that he knows that he's Dick Whitman. Right. It must have been on something in that box. Right. Right. But we never we didn't. So 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 we still get to be surprised. Like at this point, we know that that Pete knows a lot, but we learn we get to learn. That's just a great rollout of writing where we get to learn later more. Yeah. About right. what what because for all we know, Don was a nickname of Dick's or it's his middle name or, or something. Vice versa. That's, or exactly. Yeah. Those those photographs in the box do not prove really anything of value if you're Pete without him doing a little digging himself, which is what we find out later, you know. But, well, we don't know. We, there could be documents in there, too. Like, we don't, we haven't seen yeah. everything in there. That's that's, that's right. the point. Is, that's is right. It's a, it, it's a box full of stuff, and we've only seen a little, right. and it gets rolled out. So, yeah, so that's another, you know, important plot point. It's fascinating. Trudy's reaction is kind of equally fascinating in its own right. About yeah. about just don't do that. I mean, she's really got she's the one with her head on her shoulders, right? You know, don't do that. It's not yours. What are you doing? Besides, my dad had one. Oops, <laughs> that sounded like it didn't go well. She's another strong, grounded woman. Yeah, she she really she understands how to serve. She's a, she is a survivor. I mean, oh, yeah. how you survive life is you don't look at those boxes. It it it. <laughs> she saw her father's. You know, and <laughs> God only knows. <laughs> I mean, and I have a friend who found a box. You know, who found a father's box after he died. Turned out he was gay. Wow. Yeah. Right. So people have boxes, that's and right. and like that's the kind of detail. That's the kind of life observation that Matt. You know, because it was beyond somebody found a box. It was people have boxes. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. know, and 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 young girls in in the fifties found their father's boxes or late forties or whatever. However, that math worked. Trudy planting that seed about her father having a box has absolutely no business in this plot. There is nothing added to this plot. This huge tree trunk, correct, of a plot going on in Nixon versus Kennedy that requires us to know anything about that. So just the fact that it's intentionally in there. But it yeah, and it suddenly it opens a, like, a window huh. into wow, into a world of who Trudy is and how she's become right. who she is. These little details that come in for no apparent reason are such a um a huge insight into humanity, into mm. the the human experience. Agreed. Um, and that's always what they're for. When the party's going on at Sterling Coup, which I like to say every now and then, Sterling Coup. Yeah, because you're, you're cool like that. You're cool <laughs> like that. <laughs> Ken Cosgrove finds this screenplay written by Paul, Death is My Client, which... <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, going back to the, the 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 little bit of the plot of being exposed, Paul Paul did not. It, it, yeah, I love that was that not Paul, a welcome, Paul, not a welcome disclosure. <laughs> no, but next thing we see, <laughs> yeah. it was not a welcome disclosure. But next thing we see, somehow he's he's, he's all in he's directing <laughs> this new play. <laughs> right, he's, uh, I do love that. I noticed that, like the 
the complete resistance to the to the total commitment <laughs> to doing it right, which is great. Just incredible. Um, what I want to know is how long was the, you know, was there a writer's room discussion? Was it in the original script? Obviously, it's in the script that I have, but that's a final script. How long do they have to work on what's the title of Paul's Secret Play going to be called? <laughs> right? Like, to it's me, so that they, I want to see the discarded options for what <laughs> Paul's Secret Play, because <laughs> Death is My Client is a really great name. <laughs> they they picked the right one. <laughs> so to me, the fascinating moment, first of all, you've got Hildy, terrible actress. A little stiff. But, yeah. but uh, you know, but actually, you know, even with the two of them playing not professionally act, you know, that whole thing of we are going to be actors not as good as real actors, mm-hmm. um, Christina as Joan and, and Brian as Sal, they were both pretty good. They probably were both the two who had done some plays in high school or something, mm-hmm. right? They were not terrible. They were right. not cringeworthy. But to me, the big moment, and again, that t- talk about being exposed, is that kiss between Joan and <laughs> Sal. And if if there's anyone in this world who would recognize a kiss that wasn't. Yeah. Joni. I mean, they're all they're all drunk. <laughs> it's late. If if Sal wanted to kiss Joan for real, he would have kissed Joan for re- any of those other men. That would have been a real kiss. But the look on her face. I mean, that is a woman who knew what Priceless. what just happened there. <laughs> and also interesting following, you know, as a as a little bit of a follow up to her her experience with Carol. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of a wink to the fans and the audience, right? Because it doesn't get played up. There's no, it doesn't come back around. There's no, um, there's no consequence to that. It's just a moment in time of this kiss and the look and the look on Sal's face, which they, (laughs) Sal looks like he's a conquering hero to himself. Of course, he's playing the role. Right. But it's not like that comes back around at all. It's just that little moment. And it's perfect. That's why I think it's it's a little nod to the, fans throughout the season who have been like who is this guy who is he fooling it's also really about joan because i can't, and now i'm trying to i can't remember the actual line from babylon back when we first learned about her and roger and roger i know as much about men as you know about advertising and i know that the sneaking around is your favorite part it's baked it's baked into her dna as a character no question she would be no the question. one to notice right sal could have kissed any other member of the any other person in the office within that little role and they wouldn't have necessarily noticed any other woman would have questioned themselves oh yeah yeah. he doesn't like me joan would never that is not there for joan at all that's it if you aren't gonna kiss me properly you don't know how to kiss it's on you you're gay (laughs) (laughs) you are a homosexual that's it done and done there's our intro What's going on? I don't know. Very confident. It'll be all right in the morning. It wasn't California. Just turn it off. You don't know Nixon took California till like after midnight on the East Coast. So it's already getting into the wee hours. And Joan and Paul have a moment. Um, I love this scene with Joan and Paul. I love this scene with Joan and Paul. <laughs> now this is set up 
in the pilot, it's one of your favorite moments from yeah. the pilot where, where, you know, Joan is walking Peggy through the, the halls with, you know, with her stuff and... Hopefully if you follow my lead, you can avoid some of the mistakes I've made here. Hello, Joan. Like that one. I love Michael Gladys. I adore him. I he's he's a favorite of mine. This is the moment we had mentioned this way way back where uh, you get the Orson Welles illusion. That's writing to your actor, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a guy who looks like Orson Welles, especially in at that time when Orson Welles looked like that, and he wasn't a distant memory to us. But I just love the without too much exposition. Mm. What went wrong? You have a big mouth. First, he's like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say anything. And she she, repeats you have it. a big mouth. <laughs> and he, he is now exposed. That's right. And he said, you're right. I do have a big mouth. Like, these are people who, it didn't work out, but they see each other. That's right. And, and I just love it. I love the dance at the end where her shoes are off and she's now littler and more vulnerable. Right. Joan, Joan doing the cha-cha, you'll, you'll get my attention every time. I mean, some Hips were made to cha-cha, and I'll give you that for Joan. <laughs> you can't sit down in that dress. <laughs> you look so different when you're drunk. You're not going to call me Orson Welles again. You loved that. Who wouldn't like that? So that's the calm before the storm, is that last dance before the next morning when Peggy just walks through that office into this shit storm of a... I don't know. I guess I I would have thought it might have been a little bit cleaned up, <laughs> but they just really let it be like that, including the green vomit. In yeah, janitorial bathroom. took the night off. <laughs> yeah, well, and we'll get back to that. So Don, so one of the first things that happens this morning, um, in addition to Peggy, is Don and Bird have this this morning conversation. And it's, it's a great little check-in, right? Don's the new partner, and in the tradition of Mad Men... <laughs> Madmen, white men privilege uh treating the office like your home like roger getting a haircut uh bert's getting a what looks like a full muscle massage from a oh yeah uh looks like the masseuse for the green bay packers doing the <laughs> rub down for bert and um anyway bert's there getting his rub down and Don comes in, and what was it like? And Bert, well, I was in a smoke-filled room at the Waldorf, and yada, yada. And it was just all this great Bert stuff. And it's a beautiful little insight about just, the again, the way business works and the way the sausage is made behind the curtain. And should there have been another strategy? Should we contest? Should we ask for a recount? Should Nixon do this? And Bert's kind of feeling is the country's moving on. Business has moved on. P&G knows they'll work with either, either winner, blah, blah, blah. We're 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 moving on here. At the time of viewing this, of course, when you hear recount, all you thought was Bush v. Gore, That's right. and the country doesn't want to survive that. Now, of course, <laughs> yeah, look look for your spot on the ledge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it's different stakes these days, but it's um, it is. It's a fascinating conversation to me, uh, both visually, just the fact that. You're struck by Bert having this conversation in the nude and and Don's what seemed at the time probably naive position of like, you want to win, don't you? And and there's just a lot of this is how it this is the conversation that would have taken place in 1960. This was the prevailing wisdom the next day. And I thought that was really great to see because that's what Mad Men does so well, better than anything. 
is this sort of living history of here's the way it actually went down. Here's the kinds of things people talked about. So we begin to ramp up. We're picking up speed here. Pete now comes into the office with a rewrapped box of goodies. It actually it actually looks neater. It looks neater than it did originally. Yeah. <laughs> it no, looks it like he had, he had gone out of his way to, to smooth it's it as out. As if Trudy did the gift was... wrapping on this box. That's right. <laughs> um, but he comes back in with the 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 mystery box for Don um and reveals you know what he knows and he went to his buddy at the par- department of defense and here's what I know about you and Dick Whitman and you're not Don he says I got a lo- I got a lawyer friend I mean he says he went to his buddy at the department of defense well who knows but he he's even though the box is rewrapped for Don I don't think he's trying to make Don think that he doesn't know what's in the box Right. Like he's almost coming in saying, here, I rewrapped this for you. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree. He he's no, there's no he's definitely not pretending he doesn't know what's in the box. I'm just saying he may be bluffing on that. I spoke to somebody. Well, we don't Department know. Yeah, right. We don't know all the contents of that box to know whether it would reveal to Pete to a to an objective viewer. Um, all that information that Pete now knows he d- died in Korea. He could be a deserter. Don Draper's not your real like who like he doesn't know shit. He keeps saying he knows his name mm-hmm. is he knows that he used to he knows that he took over for somebody else. Yeah, he's making up deserter every time he says it. It you may be a deserter. He may be a deserter. Right. He's I'm not just saying if right. anybody is gonna bluff about having a very fancy attorney friend, I agree that that is a theory. If if you're bluffing, if you but if you're but if you're bluffing, then you're going entirely on what's in that box. So that box has right. to have all that but he, information yeah. that that Pete's kind of on the nose with. He's dead on. But he does have all that from the box. How, how does that box show? How, how would you know that Dick Whitman died in Korea according to the records? We don't know what's in that box. It's a big fat box. He Dick of Adam's favorite things. Adam may have his. Okay, I don't know the words for what kind of paperwork you would get with a, with a death certificate. Mm-hmm. He, neither of those parents were his parents. Mm-hmm. Adam was his only living relative. Adam would have kept everything. But Adam wouldn't have gotten it at eight years old. It he would have, have taken it before he left home. Yeah, presumably. That's, that's, that's an assumption on an assumption. A, that it's in the box, and B, that Adam would have taken it. I don't believe, I'm sorry, I don't believe Pete Campbell for one minute went to the Department of Defense. Okay. That's interesting. To the Department of Defense. I don't think that for one minute. I think Pete is bluffing. Pete only wants one thing. Pete wasn't ratting Don out. He was checking on the existence of the paperwork for these names, the records. What happened to Don Draper? What happened to Dick Whitman in Korea? That's it. He wasn't saying, there's a guy in my office. Like, that's very plausible that he would investigate without, you know, going to do damage. Maybe. Maybe. But you, maybe. Yeah. I, I I hear you. He may well have that friend. If anybody would, it's Pete. I agree with you. Here's what's interesting to me about the whole thing, and I believe I've heard Matt discuss this. Matthew Weiner has talked about this. What you really see in Pete's version of this sto- of this through line is what it takes. It's sort of like watching somebody uh, on screen go from thinking about murdering somebody to then doing it. (laughs) 
It's like you have this great idea called I have a box and I'm going to blackmail for the job I want. Have you ever really tried to chop up a body? It's really hard. (laughs) Exactly. And he... He, I mean, part of why he looks through that box night after night is he's trying to figure out what to do with it, but he's also trying to get up the nerve. And he finally gets up the nerve, and now we see how it plays out. Right. And it, it's, it's, it doesn't go at all. <laughs> <the way. laughs> kind of blows up in Pete's face, you could say. It kind of blows up in Pete's face. Do we want to talk so, about? Well, well, yeah, we'll walk. Let's walk through that. Okay. Let's. I think you're absolutely right. You're talking about now the internal mechanics of what it means to blackmail someone under these conditions. And Don, who's inherently not afraid of Pete in any way, shape, or form, um, does not back down. Like I said, it takes something. You the, right. the the to to get up to get that first thing out of your mouth. Right now, now you've done it. Right? Yeah, you now can't you- half-ass it. You are now committed. <laughs> you are committed to now this blackmail. Right, put me in line for this job, and all of this goes away. That's his. That's his quid pro quo. Pete thinks it would be a very simple thing for Don to do. That, that's, I think, the mechanics part that he's not um, as 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 gets turned back on him. He, that he has not thought through. First of all, he never, ever understands just how much disdain Don has for Pete and right. how absolutely out of the question right. the, 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 the mere thought of, of Pete as head of accounts is for Don. Like it's Don's, just- willing to, Don's willing to run away from civilization before he gives Pete that job. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, he quite literally. He, he really he quite that's right. He really is. He he there is and that speaks to the integrity of Don in his job. In a warped way, but yes. <laughs> integrity isn't the word that I would associate with Don Draper. Don is the classic man who has the different partitions of his life. There's another word I can't think compartmentalization. of. Compartmentalization. Uh compartmentalization. And he does have an integrity about he would not do that. I mean, part of it is he just he just personally fucking hates the kid. Yeah, it's a hard headedness when it comes to Pete for sure. He wouldn't he's just been given this great responsibility and he's not gonna just he's he really does care about he's gonna do his he does his job right. It you know, he he does his job right and well. I mean, sometimes he panics because he has a creative halt, but it isn't because he didn't work at it. You know, he has a real work ethic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I'm not saying Don's not good at his job. I'm just saying that it's hard to draw a line between professional integrity and personal integrity because we ascribe any professional integrity to the character of that person. But he's not, (laughs) I don't see him as a man with integrity. He's. Again, it's the compartmentalization. And I have known many people and especially men. I agree. I mean, I learned (laughs) learned about that with Bill Clinton, right? That was my my first real lesson with that. But that's it's a lot of people. It's how many how many men and and, uh, this is not to bash on men, but there are more men who have famously been exposed in different ways. You know, they are everybody who works with them, loves them, except for the people they've abused or how many, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's there, I don't mean, I, I, I very specifically said brings integrity to the job because, because I'm very clear there's a lack of integrity to, to the wholeness of Don. Yeah. He's, 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 you know, he's got more, he's got more compartments than most, right? right? Sure does. But, but there, but I do believe that there, he, there's an integrity he brings to this work and his job and he would not, 
he would not put Pete Campbell in charge of Pete's not ready. Correct. Like like him or not, like he's just too too young and not ready. And again, Pete never noticed. I mean, Pete sits down and says, "You and I have a real rapport." <laughs> yeah. Like he's like that's true. The most unaware <laughs> like, person on the planet, right? <laughs> the other amazing piece of the of that scene is how Don doesn't flinch and how on his feet he is and how fearless he comes across when we know and then we we see once the door is closed that he is perhaps literally shitting a brick Mm -hmm. (laughs) we never look at the floor i mean it is i mean he he is on this is again there's not an ounce of him that's scared of pete campbell but he is terrified he is scared of pete campbell i mean he he really was he you know going to bert's office wasn't the first move the first move was run away with rachel right so he's terrified he's but i i I was i just marveled at his quick thinking and i think this is something that we see throughout this episode is you know when we get to the final flashback and we see what he does good bad or I don't think there's a question if it was good or bad, uh, but it was a quick, I mean, that was, you know, switching those. Yeah, dog he, tags he, was, he said earlier, fear stimulates my imagination. So that this is uh, lucky. Right. This is lucky strike all over again. That's right. He's in a corner. And he really, he's got, he, he has to stand up and say something on his feet and get himself out of, out of the hole. And that's what he does. Dan, I think that's our episode title. That is really, that's, I mean, that's, that's exactly right. But it does take us to Rachel's office where Don says, come run away with me. And Rachel, you know, entertains it for a minute because she thinks it's, she thinks he's looking to do it the right way. I've talked to Betty. I'm leaving her. We're going to get divorced. Let's go to Reno, whatever the, whatever the, whatever the right way to do it could be. I think first she just thinks for a weekend and uh, you might be right about that yeah no I, th- I think it could be i think all that goes through her head it's like is yeah. he talking about a weekend is he talking about forever is he saying we're gonna open up yeah Mencken's la like what is this you know <laughs> like and for her quick thinking and her again being very very grounded, grounded she yeah. she assesses she goes right to it takes her five seconds you, to realize he's crazy and you would do this to your children that means you would do this with our children which means like, you're a horrible you know, person you are not. Yeah. Yeah. She, it was, it was just amazing. She tore him down and it wasn't like she was trying to, she, she was into whatever he had in mind when he walked in the room, the big kiss, the the look on her face is amazing. Yeah. Her heart was breaking. Yes. Um, I mean, and, and just like Don in the scene with Pete where his face doesn't show how scared he is. Rachel's face does not show how devastated she is. She's just, she is like, oh, the line in the sand? Yeah. You left it at the door and stepped right over it. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I literally doing, cannot be not with someone we... who would do what you're proposing. Yeah. This is a non-starter from start to finish. Yeah, it was really, it was so powerful. And I, God, I'll never not. I love her so much. I just, she's Maggie just Seth. such an ex- She plays it oh, wonderfully. The, she plays it so brilliantly and- the the character the actor the the 
everything about her. I just adore yeah. her. And the whole Don and, Rachel arc in terms of them being together is like two episodes. It feels like it was the whole season, but it was just two episodes. You see one scene of them, two scenes. You see two of scenes them of them together, together, together. That's it. Now it is the romance is the is the arc of the season is mm-hmm. an arc of the season, but it it's very little, very little screen time. Yeah, it's amazing. So within that office discussion, of course, her realization comes with you haven't thought this through. Like that was her. That's the light bulb going off over her head. Was you don't even know what you're doing. It, it's it's not even like I don't like what you're doing. You what you're doing is so horrible, and you don't even know what it is. You're not even prepared to do this horrible thing that you're suggesting. You know, there's there's ten different reasons why I'm so not into this, and Don then has to kind of go back back to his office, really, right. with that not just the breakup, and it's now a client thing, and it's a relationship. And it's, oh, I guess I'm not leaving my wife and kids right now. Okay. What time does that train leave? They're like, like I, I, his whole life just went, you know, back and forth inside of 15 minutes. It is interesting. He's. He's rudderless. He was willing to run away, but not without Rachel, not without a woman. He, you know, if Midge had still been around, maybe, you know, it's, it's right. it is interesting that his I'm going to run away and start over has to have a romantic element for for it to take him as chris rock would say you're only as faithful as your options and when <laughs> when, when rachel Mencken was his option uh he's faithless when rachel's not his option it's like oh, let's see how this thing with pete plays out <laughs> you know, right uh, and, and that's what ha- that's exactly what happens that's what he does and somewhere between rachel saying you haven't thought this through and him slinking out of Mencken's department store for the last time and coming back to Sterling Cooper I think the light bulb went over went off over Don's head which is she's right I hadn't thought this through number one number two I may know someone else who hasn't thought things through (laughs) I think he knows from and I I kind of take it back to that scene with Bert he knows Pete hasn't thought it through because Bert knows you don't want to win ugly he, and he knows that for sure from that conversation. By the time he walks into Bert's office with Pete, which is what happens right away, and he says it twice to Pete, if you notice. Yes. He says it and then he repeats it. So he really knows now that he's on more solid ground. And that's the brilliance of Don being quick and getting the picture and fear stimulating that imagination. So we've got this kind of cartoonish race over across the office. Not not just any cartoon. I mean, that is... It's Looney Tunes. Uh, that is Wiley e. Coyote <laughs> right. and, the, totally. and the Roadrunner. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. We're there. You don't think I'll do it? I, I, love Pete, I love Pete's line. You think this is the scene in the movie where he won't shoot? I'll shoot. Or I've got a gun or whatever it is. You think I'm bluffing. <laughs> so I just, I, it's so great. And Don now has this newfound confidence in, in, his, in his position uh that of course he's not letting on about so off to Bert's office they go take their shoes off and knock 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 okay you know what before let's perfect time for a break let's take a break <laughs> we're back so even though we're at we're at Bert's doorstep we should talk about yeah let's back up yeah Peggy's speech because Don comes back from Rachel's and as the dad I can certainly 
I can certainly identify with getting back home and needing a moment and not getting it. And that's what right. that's what happens to Don. Like, Peggy, do I do I do I need to be here for this conversation? Can I can we talk about this later, if ever? That's a great perspective to offer. You know, certainly Don is having a bad day. <laughs> you know, what are the, what are the, uh, he's about the 13 to be episodes. That's 13 bad days that we're seeing for Don. He, you know, he doesn't know. Here's what's in his head. I might lose my job. Best case scenario, I might lose my wife, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We don't know where this exposure ends up. I might go to jail. All of these are things that he that are in his head, yeah. right? And then the love of his life says he, we're assuming, mm-hmm. just dumped him. Yeah. So not having the best day. So that, no, that's a great perspective. And then I'm looking at it from Peggy's perspective. So one of the things I couldn't help but notice was, you know, way back at the beginning of the season, we know where women go to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's not where Peggy went. <laughs> I love it so Right? True. She's yeah. not in the ladies' room. I might need to cry, but it will not be in the ladies' room. Right? It will not be in the ladies' room. <laughs> right. She thought she had the privacy. She has, I think, as a writer, she has a little bit more ability to move around the office and Maybe. not get as as looked at maybe for all we know she's gone into don's office two dozen times to cry (laughs) so could be her place that was a joke i don't mean that literally maybe maybe not no 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 i mean honestly i don't i don't think she's been crying i think she's been holding it together i think this was a this was a a puncture point for her yeah no this all backed up on her she really this was this was it i mean let's Let's remember what just happened. The party was overwhelming to her. The the sexual, the the frat boy party games. Peggy is always a study of being torn between being a little better than that Mm -hmm. stuff and also why don't they like me? Yeah, she's still like 20. She's always. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And she and and we'll see it. We'll see it over time that that she has that with Joan, too, is like. She sort of doesn't admire Joan, and on the other hand, she was just she, she was totally. Joan, right? So there's she's she's got that conflict, but it it was too much. We've already seen what happens as she comes in, and not only is there green cream de menthe color puke in her trash can that nobody has had the courtesy to deal mm-hmm. with, but. Then she finds out her locker's been broken into her mad money of $3, her spare blouse, <laughs> right, um, have been told. And that's, you know, that's intense. And what does she say she's going to do? She's going to call She's going to call building security. Right. So she's crying in the office because it's been awful. And she feels bullied and alone. But also what we learn is that two men were fired. And I believe it's the janitor and the elevator guy both of whom are black. So she doesn't address the racism. We know and she knows that they were not that they were not who took mm-hmm. her stuff. That that is not what happened. And 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 then what she says is, I don't understand. I try to do my job. I follow the rules and people hate me. Innocent people get hurt and and other people, people who are not good, get to walk around doing anything they want. It's not fair. Hmm. You know, one thing we should talk about is the Nixon-Kennedy metaphor in this episode. But I listened to that for, you know, not only for for Peggy Hmm. herself, which it's it's huge and it's beautiful and it's and it's a lot. It's a lot to say to Don, who has already said, I don't have the capacity to listen to you. 
but she she really needs to say this and she really needs him to mm-hmm. hear it. I was surprised. She needs to get she needs to get this off her chest. And anyone who is is reacting to witnessing injustice. It's one of the strongest feelings you can have. And that's what she's expressing in those words. That speech is about that's injustice. Right. The right thing should have happened, but it didn't. And instead the wrong thing happened. And I'm part of it and I have to witness it and I have to deal with it. And it's really bothering me. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. It's not just that it's not fair to her, which she's expressing. It's it was a bigger a injustice, injustice. And right. it's 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 the most upsetting thing that can happen. Interestingly, what you see is that Don does hear it. And I think that little something between Don and Peggy, I am not suggesting there's something sexual there, but there is something. It reinforces their connection, for sure. Connection's already there. We've established that. We are seeing a connection. We are definitely seeing a connection. That he did listen. That he didn't, he asked her to leave, but he didn't throw her out on her Well, on she, her she was kind of rambling at the beginning. It was my mad money and then this and then that. And then by the time she kind of focuses in on this injustice component of what's bothering her or maybe just realizes it herself and puts it in those words, I think Don connects with the injustice message. Don understands injustice. And there's something bigger about Don, and we will explore this further and again. Integrity is not exactly Don Draper's middle name or Dick Whitman's. Um, but why we stick with Don Draper, and I'll, I'll say this, my sister is the one who, who pointed this out to me recently. Why we stick with Don Draper is as much as he gets it wrong, as much as he does terrible things, as much as there are times you want to just kill him. Don does always strive to be better. Mm -hmm. He gets it wrong a lot. His his psychology, his upbringing, his restrictions, his ways of being are sometimes the worst. But he, Don wants to be good. Yep. And what I heard in this innocent people get hurt and other people, people who are not good, get to walk around and doing anything they want. And then we get to Nixon Kennedy. And I, I just wondered, well, which one of you do you think you are in this, Don? Are you the one who's perpetrating the right. not good or are you the right. good one? And clearly what we're about to see is that he he sees himself as the one who's good, which is a little bit of denial, but also there's there's some core thing there. But it's also where you where you are on history, right? Because it is the conflict we will be watching through through the seven mm-hmm. seasons right. is Don, are you the good one or not? Don, more than most character, has like these larger overarching character traits. And he's also got these smaller sort of momentary traits. And the larger ones tend to be the good ones. The smaller ones tend to be the not so good ones. So he's repeatedly doing things that are frustrating and making sometimes the wrong decision. But you're right, that instinct to be better and the empathy that he goes through life with are the larger traits that carry him through. But those moments in between can be viciously ugly, right? And that's that's the show. You've, we've just built and a we, show, that, <laughs> right? That, Let's yeah, call it Mad Men, right. right? That's exactly right. When we talk about how this connects upward towards something like Nixon and Kennedy, after the, after the speech from Peggy, of course, we're, we're in Pete's office where, where Don goes. And there's this back and forth. You don't know. You haven't thought this through and blah, blah, blah. And and, and it occurs to me at that moment that because I've been trying to figure out, OK, 
which one of these guys is Nixon and which one is Kennedy, right? There's going to be some sort of matchup. Right. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're asking this because I'm not as good at the history, but I also had moments of like, I yeah. thought I knew, but wait, then you're I Kennedy. Was like, wait, wait no, I you're have, Nixon. Maybe I have it wrong. <laughs> and it's been going on all yeah, season, yeah. this kind of reinterpretation of Nixon or these other kinds of things that we're seeing. And it's like, or this ori- originalist interpretation yeah, of Nixon, right. perhaps, and, right? And, and what I, the conclusion I came to somewhere in my third or fourth or fifth viewing of this episode is, no, they're each both. Don and Pete are both Nixon and Kennedy in one, each of them. You yeah. know, so you've got Don who has said, I, when I see Nixon, I see myself, right? Which is like the self-made guy. But Don, you could say, is the Kennedy. He's the one with the good looks. He's the one who everybody admires. Everybody's, I think someone said, we put him on our shoulders and carry him forward. Like, that's Kennedy. Yeah. Pete is this sneaky little conniving, you know, tricky dick kind of character within Sterling Cooper, even if he is 25 years old or whatever. But reflecting on Joe Kennedy's intervention, if we if we want to call it that, that is the sneaky, underhanded. Yeah. I don't know if history knows how much JFK himself knew about that. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe maybe he did. But we, we certainly know that Joe Kennedy went around yeah. and... And bought a lot of votes. Exactly. And in and, and each of these. So who's the who's, who's the, the sneaky one? Right. Exactly. Point. Who, who's the little sneaky little shit? Right. Exactly. And Pete's the one, frankly, on the Kennedy side of the equation who has the family name, who has the privilege, who has all the connections yes. and all the rest. Why can't you give me what I want? I've earned this job. I deserve it. Why? Because your parents are rich? Because you went to prep school and have a five dollar haircut? You've been given everything. You've never worked for anything in your life. For gosh sakes, don't you realize you're going to lose everything? I'm giving you a way out. Would it be so bad? Why is this so hard for you? And even going to what you've said about just the the historical perspective as part of that conundrum, because the first thing that most of us think of, again, as opposed to the originalist version, when, you know, when, when we think of Nixon, we mm. think of Watergate. So you right away are, you're, you're a little confounded by your historical yeah. knowledge. It's fascinating. But in 1960, we, that turn of events had not taken place. So where we are is you've got Peggy with this injustice speech, and mm. you've got Don and Pete kind of going back and forth between being Nixon and Kennedy, where that story historically is all about injustice, right? We already heard from Bert, you know, there was some nonsense about the vote counts and this guy had every dead person in Chicago voted, you know, all these things that have borne out over history to be like wildly confusing who really won. It's all lost to history. So in this environment, we arrive at Bert Cooper's office door. (laughs) (laughs) where Pete's about to pull the trigger on calling Don out and thinks he's going to get going to get praise for for this this revelation. So they walk into Bert's office. And what I love is Don starts the conversation by saying, actually, he says, pull the trigger. (laughs) I pulled the trigger on Duck Phillips as head of accounts. Mm. Oh, good. Well done. Blah, blah, blah. And as far as I can, as far (laughs) as I can remember in what we can really call you know, a jujitsu move. That's the last Don talks in the entire. Oh, he definitely stands. You he, know. he says, I pulled the trigger on Duck Phillips. Okay, great. Pete does his thing. I mean, the first thing, the first thing that happens is there's the silence and Bert's like, you're, yeah, why are you exactly. why, why, What's he doing here? And all that. But, but the point is Don didn't have to like talk his way out of anything. This whole thing mm-hmm. came down to Pete, doing this, so I call it jujitsu, right? Where you use your opponent's weight against them 
Pete's going to dive off this diving board and then realize there's no water in there. So pull the trigger. <laughs> again, like, again, a little wily oh, coyote very much so. imagery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pete, Pete, you can yeah. see, is over the edge of the cliff. So pull the trigger on Duck. Okay, great. And then Pete, I have to say this. Boom, 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 boom. He's not Don Draper. He's Dick Whitman. He's a deserter. He did this. And of course, the famous line from, from Burt Cooper, Mr. Campbell, who cares? What, what, what are you wasting your time with this for? What, 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 is this, what does this do? You'd be better off getting new accounts. Why, why are you doing this? And, you know, I just, there's so much in that response. Obviously, it's famous to Mad Men fans and there's kind of the meme and all that. But that idea of, of even if you're right, why are you, why are you bringing this up? What, what, yeah. What's the profit in this? Which is, I think, exactly, exactly his words at one point, Bert's words. Which is sort of like the boss saying, you were wrong the whole time. Now go back to Don saying, you haven't thought this through, right? Don knows from Bert, you don't want to win ugly. And Pete then steps his foot in a whole bucket of, here's how I'm going to win ugly. We've already got Don being incredibly impressively quick on his feet. How he managed Pete in the first scene where Pete confronts him and where Don is cool as a cucumber and all his responses are, are, are you know, so what? And from never admitting it, combined with just never blinking, combined with if what you say is true about a person, you don't know what that person would be willing to do back to you. All of those things were just incredible. But the other thing that I start to see is from Rachel, he took, you haven't thought this through. And from Peggy, he took, why does the bad guy get Mm. to win? I was fascinated by that he learns from these women Mm -hmm. that he you know I mean some of it might some of it might just be a weird I can just take things in and spit them back out again but it's it's deeper than that particularly with particularly with Peggy it's you know with Peggy he he really in both I think in both cases he got real insight he did and and about what's happening absolutely. and about what's possible. And it's funny you say like you know why should the bad guy win, which is which is a twist on Peggy's phrase, right? People who are not good get or go around and do what yes. they want. And if you apply yes. that to Nixon and Kennedy, and what we just talked about, <laughs> right. you don't like. There's one version of who's good and who's bad, right? The sixty years of history since kind of venerates Kennedy, right, at the expense of Nixon. Some of that Nixon right. piled on himself. Some of that's been disproven. Who, you know, what, who cheated, who didn't, you know, there's, you can go back and still not understand who's good and who's bad. So you can say something like people who are not good get to go around and do what they want. And if you're Peggy and you're from Bay Ridge and your mad money was taken and someone got fired by accident, it looks pretty black and white. Mm. But we all know it's not black and white. Even 60 years later, these things are not black and white. But Don, Don's insight that's so brilliant is, I don't care about history. I need to get through this moment. And I know in this moment, mm. I'm going to be seen as the good guy. And I know who's going to be seen as the bad guy for ratting me out, Pete Campbell. So I can walk into Burt Cooper's office, chin high, say nothing, and I'm going to be okay. That's my calculation. There might That might have been... versus 49.9% sure, (laughs) but he knew he was calculating those odds. That's, that's my, my take. 
it's hard not it's hard to argue with that because Don, Don is calculating. Well, I think intuitively. I, I mean, I'm using odds. As, as sure. New, but again, ethics and integrity is such a weird conversation to be having about this guy. But I feel like he got legitimately inspired to do the what quote unquote whatever he thought was the right thing. And I say that especially because of how shocked he look he looked. <laughs> when yeah, Bert no, said what was, he said, it's it like OJ. It was like, like OJ. It, it was like OJ when he was acquitted. You know, it was a little yeah, like, huh? It, it it worked. Yeah. What exactly? <laughs> because let's face it, we can talk about right and wrong and Don's integrity yeah. and what he knew and what was in his gut and everything else. But you're still at the mercy of Bert Cooper, and who knows where that guy stands on anything, right? So that's right. It's not like there's like. No, I'm on the Apparently si- he stands I'm on the side of the stands angel. right there in the room he's in. Precise, <laughs> precise that's exactly where he stands. So it's like I can be on the side of the angels and it won't matter. So it's still not about right and wrong in any objective way. It's here's what's gonna get me through today. I know Bert thinks this way about these topics. Pete, give it your best shot. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, no, so, it has, uh, yeah. so it's really not about even even the integrity part, which I, I hear you on. It's still not a cut and dry thing because you're relying on Bert Cooper. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Who is he, maybe not the most scrupulous? Not, we, he is yeah. not an oracle at Delphi, like ready to. Yeah. I don't even know if I used that illusion correctly. If that had to do with ethics or I, something I, else, but he was. I think I said yes with that barely knowing what I not, meant. So that's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, show notes. Uh, but I don't. But I. 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 <laughs> you're still relying on that weather vane. And so it's still a, it's still a gut decision, but I feel that like, like a gambler Don's intuition was informed by something. And it was that, that meeting that morning during the massage is what told him where, mm. where Bert, Bert stood on these things. Again, we can look at the the dominoes of what, what got yeah. Don to do what he did. Um, and I had, I had certainly not factored in that, that conversation as informing I, I I actually hadn't. That's really. It's a really great. I just hadn't looked at the Burt Cooperness of. Yeah. He's the first informant, if you will, and the yeah. final judge. And I hadn't. I hadn't really looked at it that way. I'm stepping that's on great. my own quote here. I'm going to make a, an executive decision. Yeah. I'm stepping on my because I have another quote. But the quote I originally had was was from Burt. You don't want to win like that. That's the quote from Burt that we've been avoiding saying. Don yeah. knows from Burt you don't want to win that way, and here comes Pete trying to win that way. So that's Don's better's advantage, the edge, the vig, that he knows he's going to have over Pete in that room. Now he's still a little shocked when it happens because it's, it's, you don't know till you know, but that's, that's the insider edge. That's him knowing the quarterback has a bad knee <laughs> that he's betting on the other team. It really is such a moment of this. That's it. Yeah. I, Holy I can shit. just I could just go home to my wife and I didn't <laughs> I didn't have to, I didn't have to fuck it up with Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could have just sat on my ass. Exactly. Hey, he didn't say yeah. again. He didn't say a word in that conversation. He That's fascinating. I never noticed that. Didn't have to himself. Didn't have to say but Bert. Didn't have to. Nothing. That's wild. Pete, the floor is yours. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> right. So and uh, even if it's just been two episodes or barely a full episode, frankly, of Pete having the secret over Don. I mean, think about how rapidly, and and I know Matt Weiner's talked about this, like most shows would make an entire season out of 
this blackmail. <laughs> That's right. How long can we drag this out and Mad Men burn through it in like an hour, which is awesome. Yeah, it's just great. So let's get to Korea because I think this this final um, reveal, this final sort of piece of, piece of the puzzle, um, we've had a few flashbacks through through this episode already. We've now met the real Don Draper, mm. but it is not until after Mr. Campbell, who cares, his uh, assignment is to dig holes for latrines. Am I correct about that? Well, the, there's a yeah. We said fighting positions around the whole camp, but that will include a latrine. And just a reminder that Bullcut Dick, the child, loved digging holes. Go That's back to Hobo Code. <laughs> I love that. That's so true. That's great. I don't know if I ever noticed that before Me or neither. not. I definitely didn't. I cannot rely on my memory. Sometimes I think I've thought something for the first time and then I check the old writings and I find that I've written a piece on it or you did or whatever. But I wanted to point out, which I think is parallel to that is the way that Don Draper talks to Dick in that first scene, that first flashback, when they're in the tent mm. and he's telling them, you know, all this stuff. He's talking to them just like the hobo. He reminded me so much of the hobo. I don't know if it was maybe the camera That's who he reminded me of. I don't of. know if it was the camera angle or the lighting or the way it was shot. Certainly the way it was being delivered. That, that was no mistake. Yeah, yeah, definitely his the, the actor was a little similar. There was a similarity even. there. So, yeah. so I think there was you can absolutely draw a connection from Don Draper who we get all of whatever it is, three and a half minutes worth of his entire life in front of Dick Whitman and the hobo who we know has this outsized impact on yeah. on Dick's life. And then if you look at how psychology works, if if Korea Dick is being spoken to in a way that has him feeling like the same yep. Dick that the hobo spoke to, if that's being spoken to and therefore that's who's listening. I want to be right? this guy. That child I wanna be is this listening. I want to be this guy. And this guy has a way out for me. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. This guy has... This guy is the way out for me. Now, I'm not at all suggesting he's plotting his death. No, no, no. But there's, there's some synapses that are that are Absolutely. firing and connecting. I, I want to be this guy. And then, oh, my God, there's an actual way I can be this guy. And instinct yeah. takes over and it's the fog of, of, of battle and all the rest. But, yeah, I think there's an absolute connection to, wait a minute, I've felt like this before. I've been talked to like this yeah. before. It was... Yeah the word I'm thinking of, seminal in my life. And even though this guy's not, you know, preaching to me the, the way that the way that other guy was, I'm I'm connecting. I'm connecting. And and he does speak to him respectfully. Like, you know, dude, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. You know, whatever. Yeah, he, I, I don't right. remember the dialogue, but, but there was a like, you didn't know what you got into. You're you're in over your head, right. pal. Whatever you thought, it's not like that. And which again is instructive and, and Don is painted. But it's also but it's it's the other it's, it's sorry, but it's the other end of what of what Rachel said. He didn't think this through. He's now living the you know, he's like, You didn't think this through and now check this out. Check out yeah. where you are. Yeah. You you cannot even fathom what I have not thought through. <laughs> there's there is so much <laughs> I have not thought through. You would be staggered if you knew what I have I not am, thought through. I am going to I am going to spend decades not thinking things through that we haven't even I've encountered even yet. The surface of my not thinking things through. Don't you worry. I've got an entire life of of completely ignoring 
consequences. <laughs> Just amazing. <laughs> so so we get we we get the flashback and we see how you know he takes the dog tags off and the explosion and everything else. And so that's wrapped up. We know now that Don uh intentionally became Don excuse me, Dick intentionally became Don Draper, stole his identity, went through with it, got pinned with the purple heart. What happened to Dick? We don't know. Who cares? He's gone. Like having to carry this thing through, he now has to bring the body home on the train to Pennsylvania to Uncle Mac and the, not his mom. And little Adam. And can you imagine? I mean, we only see him on the train, but he's now, I mean, the the entire journey between you're going to accompany the body to that point has been like the journey we've just seen him on all day. Like, I, I, I cannot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I cannot let this happen. And yet he has to let it happen. And then he doesn't. That journey from the infirmary in Korea to flying home, getting on the train, going cross country, taking this body back to Pennsylvania that my family's going to think is me. I know I can't get off that train. I know I'm going to. I'm now Don Draper. I have I have crossed that line in full. And that's where it's, it's what we don't see. We don't see any of that. We see him at the mm -hmm. last, you know, the last hundred yards before the train stops in Pennsylvania. That's right. So he's all, he's committed. And you know that he's had to have gone through this tremendous psychic transformation. Now I am Don Draper. Everyone's calling me Don. I didn't think it through, but now I'm in it. And so welcome to Don Draper. Is he a lieutenant? I can't remember. I don't remember. Is he? I yeah, think I think you're right. I think Could he be. might be a I'm an officer now, right? I'm an officer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can go to the officer's heart receiving club, right? Lieutenant. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so we don't see that, but we know that he he must still he's in the first moments of this new life to the point where he knows he can't get off the train and has to turn his back. So we we're recording. It is September fifth. We're actually recording on Labor Day weekend, and uh, this week in the news has been the the exposing the, it's the big Atlantic article about the current president and his feelings about the military. And one of the things that I I saw replayed was uh, John Kelly up at the podium describing in excruciating and heart wrenching detail the process of of bringing the body, of informing the families, the Gold Star families, and bringing the bodies home. And he, and he really, he walks you through it step by step by step. First, you, you know, you're at, you're at the house before the lights come on. And at the first morning's light coming on, then you go to the door. And then you stay with the family until, as long as they need. Um, Anyway, I had just seen that that day before I sat down and watched this. So it was really fascinating to now watch this very, I mean, this most solemn duty uh, that can be bestowed upon someone. Mm -hmm. And here's pa panicking, you know, and all of a sudden maybe uh, maybe Don is 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 the wily coyote in this one as opposed to the roadrunner, right. right? He's 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 the one, you know, he's back in a panic and he knows he can't do it. We now are looking at the little boy who we know what happens to him. Yeah. And and that's the moment it started to happen. Right. That's the moment that's right. where he says, "I see you. I see you." And his parents don't believe him. You know, the father doesn't even look up. Uncle Mac rather doesn't even look up. Mm -hmm. But he knows what he saw. That's right. 
He knows he didn't imagine that, and he's going to live with that his whole life. And, and again, replay everything go back. you've seen of Adam. And that's go, right. This is why you were so certain. This is why you didn't didn't give up, and you came and found me, and you did all these things. And when we see the new Don turn his back, you, you're getting that kind of almost ships passing in a night of Adam's story now going one way, and Don's going yep. the other. And Don, I mean, and Don saw him see him yes. and still turn and turns his back on him then, then, and now. That's right. And he still does. He still doesn't know. Don doesn't know what happened to Adam right. today. That's right. Oh God. Right. All he knows is he sent him a box. That's all we know. That's all we know. That's all Don knows. Right. That's right. All right. So I'm crying. Let's take a another break, and we will come back with quotes. Okay, let's talk about quotes, Roberta. Yeah, so we're still on that train, and what we didn't talk about is the beautiful woman who extends her her heart and perhaps other parts of her to Don. It's a it's a great it's a great moment. Don definitely has a type that Betty seems to be the exception of. But she says to him, "Forget that boy in the box." That has mm. so many layers, because of course she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> something completely different. She's him, literal. She's literal. For him, that boy in the box is actually him. him. His old him. His old His him old or the new future him or whatever. It's a little confusing. So it's really, uh, it's definitely layered for him. But the other thing I, I thought of this time was the other box. The, the mm. Dick Whitman is in that shoe box. Everything about Dick right. Whitman is in that shoe box. And, yeah. and, and Adam as well is, is, is in there too, right? So forget mm. that boy in the box had a lot of layers for me. And who boy. <sighs> they could turn a phrase on this show, Roberta, I'll tell you. You know, somebody should make a show of, wait. <laughs> what do you got? So my quote, my quote comes from, the meeting in Bert's office and after the whole who cares. I love how Bert like immediately turns to Don and just like fire him if you want. <laughs> so like, great. And the the key quote there is one one well af, af, this is after Bert has prevented him from being fired. So that was that's what hit me even that first watching was like, "Huh, well that's interesting. Bert will, Bert will turn on you in a second. <laughs> Don is now, you know, promoted. And but Don doesn't know he has permission like Bert. He wouldn't be able to fire Pete without Bert saying that to him. And Bert knows Not again. Right. <laughs> right. Bert knows that as well. Bert knows that this exactly. that he should be fired for this or yeah, he, he needs to he needs to know that yeah, he can fire. Absolutely. <laughs> right. He needs to hear this. Absolutely. That's good. But that's not my quote. My quote is is on the heels of that. But I'd keep my eye on him. One never knows how loyalty is born, which. I, I don't know if there's an actual headstone for for Bert Cooper's grave, uh, but that might be what's on it. One never knows where loyalty is born, because uh, he knows that this now this now ties Don and Pete together in some weird way. And of course, he's not saying loyalty from whom to whom. That's right. So we're left to interpret that. That could be Pete's loyalty to Don, or what, vice versa. He doesn't say what I expected him to say, which was keep your enemies closer. He says this instead. Keep your enemies closer is specifically so you can keep an eye on someone. He's talking about this could turn into something different. We don't know the origin story. Keep your enemies close means there's an agreement as to who the enemy is. That's right. 
and this goes one never knows how loyalty is born keeps it completely open-ended nixon kennedy kennedy nixon that's right as to who's who precisely so this uh and who is to me is and who is good we got some we got some themes here a rich episode but we knew that a consequential episode but we knew that we wrap it up next week we have the wheel the wheel i can't wait grown men crying grown men will weep you know, one of the things that this show is about and we've started to see is consequences. You know, mm-hmm. we watch them all with their smoking and their drinking. And some people might think, oh, look how they get to live. But we've already seen two heart attacks. So I, I think that is a theme that I have. I haven't I haven't watched this in a long time, but I think we're going to see more consequences. A show about mid-century America, men and women of power, mostly men who live who live mostly white on the on the edge uh, to some degree. Um, you think we'll hit on consequence? Okay, that seems a little far fetched for me, but uh, <laughs> crazy, right? We'll see how it plays out. Right. We'll keep an eye on it. All right, I think. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week. We're done here. Bye, All right, guys. Bye.